So if you were here a couple of weeks ago, we talked about um, walking in love. How many of you know God is pretty serious about this love thing? Until I really started studying it, I didn't realize how serious he was. Um, and this agape love, he defines by telling us how it behaves, which is interesting. Let's look at, let's start at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, out of the Amplified Classic. 1 Corinthians 13, 4, Amplified Classic. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy. It is not boastful or vainglorious and does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, and aren't you glad he put that in there? His, it's his love. How many of you are born again? Love lives in there. The Bible says that God is love. That means he's already moved down on the inside of you. You've already got that love in there. You just got to let him out. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, even if you think they had it coming. Selah. But love rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. It's ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails, never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. How many of you know that's true? Absolutely the truth. Um, so we talked last week uh, or two weeks ago, whenever it was I spoke last, uh, about how God is really serious about this love thing. And we looked at the uh, chapter, verses 1 through 4, which we won't take the time to go over again. But if you dig in there, he really is quite serious about this love walk thing. And I'm a simple person. So the best way that I could figure to stay in love, walking in love with people, is not to get out of it. That's deep, Right? The best way to stay in love is not to get out of love. Well, what's one of the main reasons people get out of love? Offense. People get offended. I won't ask how many of you have ever been offended, but I know you have. I tell you, we have opportunities to walk in love and not be offended every single day. If you were deserted on a desert island, you're going to have to forgive those people who can't find you. Or the monkey who stole your banana. Or whatever it is. We're going to have opportunities every single day to practice this love walk. And I'm not confessing that over you. It's just the truth. You ever drive into traffic around here these days? The city's growing. And the roads aren't. That's not what I'm here to talk about this morning. 
So we looked last time, two weeks ago, and I don't have time to review a lot, but I do want to hit it really quickly. We looked at what I call the anatomy of an offense. How does an offense happen? Uh, All right, so we said, first of all, it starts with either an appearance or an action. So guys, if you can, it's up there, I see it, yeah. No, maybe, so, in the middle, okay, I see it. It starts with an appearance or an action. How many of you know it can be real or imagined? You ever walk into a room and everybody quits talking? What's the first thing that happens? <gasps> they were talking about me. Do you understand? It can be real or it can be imagined. It can be little or it can be big. Maybe somebody sat in your seat on a Sunday morning. Everybody knows this is where I sit. Or it could be as serious as somebody murdering someone you love. But when, an, when there's an opportunity for offense, it starts with either an appearance or an action. Then there's an opportunity for offense. When that opportunity for offense comes, you have a choice. You can either go God's way or Satan's way. That's the next slide. If you go God's way, then the offense, no, I think it's, oh, give me the next slide. The spirit prevails over the flesh. How many of you know your spirit wants to do what's right? It wants to do what's pleasing to the Lord. You ever have that internal struggle? Well, I'm going to, no, you're not. Let it go. No, I'm mad. No, let it go. Do you understand what I'm saying? What is that? That's that classic struggle between your spirit and your flesh over who's going to be in charge. And one of the things we're going to look at today is when you make that decision as to which part of you is in charge, the spirit or the flesh, there are a lot more consequences to that decision than you ever knew. But listen to me. It is a decision whether or not you get offended. If you get offended, it's because you took the offense. And sometimes we're so used to yielding to that, we don't even realize we chose. But if you got offended, you did choose. You chose to take the offense. But if you choose rightly, then you've chosen to side in with your spirit, which wants you to do the right thing before God. The result of that is that the offense is refused. The result of that is you're still walking in love. I love that scripture where Jesus said, the prince of this world, referring to Satan, is coming, but he has nothing in me. May that be our testimony. He's going to come, he's going to try, he's going to do, but he's got nothing in us. Glory to God. The result of that is liberty and freedom from guilt because you made the right decision before God. The result of that is victory and effectiveness. The result of that is that Zoe God kind of life he's been promising us. Living in his blessings, walking in his favor, glory to God. There's nothing like it. Now, if you should choose the other way, then what happens is your flesh prevails over your spirit. The result of that is that You've now taken the offense or the offense is received. The result of that 
is now you're the one in sin. The moment you allow anger and hatred and bitterness in your heart, now you're the one in sin. Now listen to me. You may have been totally the innocent party in what happened. You may not have done anything to deserve what was done to you. But the moment that you allow anger and hatred and bitterness in your heart, now you're the one in sin. Listen to me. I am not minimizing how cruel people can be. There's cruelty in this world that I don't begin to comprehend. How people can hurt innocent children, rape people, murder them. I I don't begin to wrap my brain around it, and I'm glad I can't wrap my brain around it. I am not minimizing how cruel and how mean people can be and maybe what you've been through. I'm not minimizing that. I'm just saying you ought not give anybody the power to come between you and God. And when you sin, that's what happens. Do you understand me? Because now there's sin between you and God. Don't give anybody that much power. Don't give anybody that much power. I tell you, I was with a lady when she finally was letting go of an offense that had just cut her so deeply it consumed her life. She hated this man for what he did to her. You know what enabled her to let go? When the, when the lady that was praying with her said this to her, hasn't he stolen enough of your life? How much longer are you going to let him make you miserable? Steal your joy. Steal your peace. Steal the blessing of God in your life. How much longer are you going to give him that much power to continue to hurt you? She realized that her hatred wasn't hurting him. It was hurting her. Listen, Forgiveness is setting the captive free and realizing then that you are the one captive because forgiveness sets you free. Do you understand? Well, Pastor Rhonda, if I forgive, then that means it's like I'm saying it's okay. No, 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 it's not. What they did will never be okay. Do you understand? You just have to get to the point where you understand the price tag for holding that is too high for you. What they did will never be right. But I'm not going to let it steal another day in my life. I'm not going to let it turn my hair gray prematurely, give me wrinkles, steal my sleep at night, cause me to have excess stomach acid to the point where I'm sick all the time. Listen, you're not hurting them. In that case I was talking about, that dude was out on the beach with a couple chicks. You know, he, he didn't care that she hated him. Her hatred didn't hurt him, it hurt her. 
The result of this is guilt and condemnation. Because how many of you know that's the result of sin? The result of that is defeat and ineffectiveness in your life. The result of that is death because the wages of sin is death. These are serious things for your life. And listen, we all have opportunity every day to walk these out. So you, you remember I said it's a classic struggle between your flesh and your spirit. Because how many of you know your spirit wants you to do the right thing? And your flesh, it wants recognition. It wants revenge. And I'm telling you, I better get it. You don't have any right to talk to me that way. Treat me that way. Do that to me. Say that to me. It's a classic struggle between your spirit and your flesh. So we're going to say this line here. I'm probably not good at this, but up here's God's way. Just like we got on the screen, down here's Satan's way. There's all kinds of consequences of us when we decide what part of us is in charge of our life. Are you led by your flesh? Where you go, what you do, how you behave? Are you going to be led by your spirit? Because there are serious consequences depending on which way you choose. Let's go to Galatians 6 8, King James. Galatians 6 8. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. Listen, when you sow to the flesh, when you give your flesh what it wants. Of the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Let me ask you, let's just start there. Which one of those two words do you want in your life? Corruption or life everlasting? Let's go to uh, Galatians 5, 22. Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit, when the Spirit's in charge, there's fruit produced in your life. That, that Spirit in there, he, he produces fruit. Do you understand? When you yield to the fruit of the Spirit, when you yield to the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love. When the Spirit's in charge, you're going to have love. Joy, peace. If you can't see what I'm doing at home, I'm writing all these words. Peace, long-suffering. Gentleness. I could go on 
put my scripture back. Gentleness, goodness. Faith. Next verse. Meekness. And meekness isn't weakness. Meekness is controlled strength. Meekness. Temperance or self-control. Against such there is no law. Uh, Let's go on another verse, I think. Nope, that's wrong. Um, I was trying to guess what I do. Um, James chapter 3, verse 17. James 3, 17. But the wisdom that is from above, God's wisdom, God's way of doing things, yielding to the Spirit, Are y'all with me? The wisdom that's from above is first pure. Peaceable. We already have peace up there. Gentle. Easy to be entreated. That means somebody who's reasonable and can yield to good counsel. I won't ask how many of you ever dealt with somebody that wasn't easy to be entreated. Easy to be entreated. Full of mercy. Full of good fruit. Without partiality and without hypocrisy. I don't remember if I go one more or not, sorry. I think I go one more. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. How many of you know those? That's a pretty good list we got going there. That's what happens in our life when the Spirit is in charge. When you're following after God instead of letting your flesh just have its way and rule over you and, and make you do things and say things. and How many of you know you have freedom? God gave you a free will. And you can choose to have your life full of trauma and drama and heartache and stress and strife if you choose. But why in the world are we choosing that? It's just like Eve in the garden. How many of you know Satan made sin look so good? If you eat of this fruit, it's going to make you wise like God. You're going to know both good and evil. How many of you know he made that sound like it was something she should want? But let me ask you a question. Who wants to know evil? Up to that point, all they had known was good. Sometimes we think, you know, there's so much in the world that we're not able to partake of, you know. I mean, there could be something good out there. How many of you know God is not withholding any good thing from you? Let me tell you what's out there. Heartache, stress, struggle. Lack of peace, lack of joy, heartache, shame, guilt. 
Who wants to know those things? Let's go back to Galatians 6, 8. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Glory to God. That Zoe, God kind of life. The Bible says he has laid out a good life for every one of us. But it's up to you whether or not you live it. Because his life is on the path he laid out for you. You've got to follow him. Go his way rather than your own way. Are you all with me? Let's go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. Now the works of the flesh, how many of you know we can tell who's in charge of your life? By looking for which one of these lists are more prominent in your life. Because the works of the flesh, when your flesh is in charge, when you continually yield to your flesh, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. And I'm just going to write the ones that apply to offense in your heart. But how many of you know ain't none of these are good? Adultery. Fornication. Sex outside of marriage. Uncleanness. Perversion. Lasciviousness, which means a lack of moral restraint. Idolatry. Witchcraft. Hatred. Variance. Have you ever known somebody who was just at odds with everybody just because they like it? Variance means being in disagreement all the time. You ever, you ever had a teenager... And you think, if I said the sun was shining, they'd say, no, that's the moon. Anyway, that's somebody involved in variance. They wouldn't agree with you no matter what you said. Emulations. Emulations. That's envy. Envy. But we'll write emulations up here. Emulations. Wrath. Or anger, strife, always bickering with people. Ugh, I hate stuff like that. Seditions. I believe sedition is rising up against somebody in authority that you should be submitted to. Submit sedition. Incitement of resistance to uh, or insurrection against authority. That's what seditions mean. Heresies. Envyings. Resentfully wanting what someone else has. What do you think that whole social media stuff? Seriously. You look at their pictures and you think, oh, oh, I, need, I deserve that. I want that. How many of you know they took 43 pictures to get that one good one? 
this advertisement for a hotel. It had what looked like this giant, massive pool. And what happened is they put a kiddie pool out front. And they got down on the ground and took a picture with that kiddie pool in the foreground and made it look like it was a four-acre pool when it wasn't a four-foot pool. What is my point? Why are you spending all your time envying when it's all filters and smoke and angles? I'm just saying, where am I? Envies. Murder. Murder. Well, Pastor Rhonda, I have never murdered anybody. Really? We'll talk about it in just a minute. Drunkenness, revelings, and the such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I've told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now listen, it doesn't say you won't be born again, but there's a whole kingdom you're forfeiting that you could be walking in every day, a kingdom of victory, a kingdom of life, a kingdom of blessing, a kingdom of favor, that you're forfeiting every day because you let your flesh have its way. James chapter 3, verse 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good manner of life. That word conversation means manner of life. His words, his works with meekness of wisdom, verse 14. But if you have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth, verse 15. This wisdom descends not from above, but it is earthly, sensual, devilish, verse 16. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion. How many of you know envy and strife is a result of your flesh being in charge? The Bible says where there is envy and strife, where your flesh is in control, there is confusion. And every evil work. Wow. I want us to look at, out of uh, James chapter 4 out of the Amplified Classic, verse 1. James 4, 1, Amplified Classic. What leads to strife, discord, and feuds? And how do conflicts, quarrels, and fightings originate among you? Do they not arise from the sensual desires that are ever warring in your bodily members? When your, your body will lead you into strife, discord, and feuds with people. Verse 2. You are jealous and you covet what others have. And your desires go unfulfilled, so you become murderers. Listen. To hate is to murder as far as your heart is concerned. Selah. To hate 
is to murder as far as your heart is concerned. You burn with envy and anger and are not able to obtain the gratification, the contentment and the happiness that you seek. So you fight and you war. But listen, you do not have because you do not ask. You're just asking in the wrong direction. You're seeking out here that which only he can give, that which only he can provide. True contentment is found in your relationship with Jesus Christ and him alone. You're never going to find satisfaction and contentment in the bottom of a bottle. It is not in there. You're never going to find satisfaction and contentment in, in a syringe because it's not in there. Or in a line of something you snort. Or smoke. You're never going to find contentment and fulfillment and gratification in illicit relationships. Because I've been around a long time now. And I've been able to watch people's lives, not just for uh, six months or a year or two years or ten years, but over the course of their lifetime. And I'm here to tell you, whatever you compromise to get, you will ultimately lose. Well, Pastor Rhonda, if I don't sleep with him, he's not going to be here. Don't let the door hit your butt. If he respected you and honored you and loved you, he would never ask you to cross your morals. Oh, I could really meddle. Well, yeah, he's married, but he's going to divorce her. And he, he, he's already told me he, he never loved her. She's not his soulmate. I know people who are on like number 15 soulmate. Seriously. What does that mean, not a dadgum thing? Love is a choice. Feelings follow faith. You can love by faith and the feelings will follow. Pastor Rhonda, he told me he's leaving her. Sometimes I just want to pull their hair up and see if it says S-T-U-P-I-D. What do you think he's going to tell you if he's trying to, and we have kids in here, I hope not. If he's trying to get you to do something with him you ought not do, what do you think he's going to tell you? He's going to paint her as the wicked witch of the West. He's not going to tell you, I have a godly wife at home who's at home right now praying that I won't be out here doing this kind of stuff. He's not, he ain't going to tell you that. Whatever you compromise to get, you're going to lose eventually. To hate is to murder, as far as your heart is concerned. 
Wow. First John 3.15. King James. First John 3.15. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. Is that not strong language? Holy cow. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. He who sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. He that sows to his flesh reaps corruption. I wrote confusion, but it's corruption. Now listen, God gave you a free will. And part of free will is the ability to choose. And let me ask you, which ones of these lists do you want in your life? Because put up that uh, the completed anatomy of an offense. When your spirit prevails over your flesh, your life is full of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, purity, uh, easy to be entreated, full of mercy, full of good fruits, and life everlasting. But when you choose to yield to your flesh, then you, your life is full of hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, envy, murder, confusion, and every evil work, and a life of corruption. Now listen, you're choosing one list or the other. Who's going to be in charge in your life? The Bible says, to whom you yield your members, his servant you are. When you choose to take offense, you're choosing a list because you're letting your flesh prevail. Do you understand you're sowing to your flesh? Pastor Rhonda, you don't understand. No, I listen, I don't know exactly your story. And again, I'm not minimizing how cruel people can be. But you've got to get to the point where it doesn't matter what they do to us. We're not going to get into offense. We're not just going to let our flesh go willy-nilly. No, we're going to give them to God. Say, Father, you saw, you know, and I trust you to make this right by me. You know what they did to me. But out of obedience to you, I'm not going to let my heart hate. I'm giving it to you. I'm giving it to you, Father. And I know you're big enough to make this right by me. Do you understand? Which list do you want your life full of? Hebrews 12, 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness 
without which no man shall see the Lord. Verse 15. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Listen, when an opportunity, go back to 15, when an opportunity for offense comes, the Bible says if you take that offense, you have failed of the grace of God. What does that mean? When that opportunity for offense comes, there's grace there to help you make the right decision. To get over it quickly. I had a situation, I don't have time to tell the story, but I had every opportunity for offense. And that struggle was going on in my heart. I can't believe it. I can't believe they do that. Doesn't matter, Rhonda, let it go. Give it to the Father. But I'm, I can't, I'm mad. Let it go, Rhonda, give it to me. What is that? That's that struggle. Which way am I going to yield? Which way am I going to yield? But listen, the moment you choose rightly, then the power of God kicks in on your behalf. God can make up to you for what people did. Sometimes the best revenge you can have is to go on and lead a happy, fulfilled, productive life and be happy after somebody else's best attempt to destroy you. Listen, forgive the card-playing analogy. We'll just say there, go fish cards. But you might not be able to control the hand that's dealt you. But you can discard and pick up a new one in God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Listen, some of you had a terrible childhood. Things happened to you that should never have happened. I understand. Maybe other people's choices caused such grief and heartache and destruction in your life. But God can make that up to you. God will make that up to you if you'll trust him. Give it to him. Give it to him. One of my heroes is Corey Ten Boom. You may not know who she is, but she was a Dutch lady who, during the Nazi uh, time, when they had all those concentration camps, they hid Jewish people in their home, and they got caught. It was her and her sister and her dad. That was her whole family, her whole immediate family. And while they were in that prison camp, Her sister died a horrible death. Her dad died. She lost every close family member that she had. I think I told you the story two weeks ago. But I'm telling you, there came a time when she had to choose whether or not to forgive those who did those horrible things to her and her family. 
But the moment she chose, God healed her heart. God healed her heart. Listen to me. Back before the days of animal rights, I heard about a bear that was kept in a circus. And his cage was only like eight foot long. And so all day, every day, he would pace eight feet that way and eight feet this way and eight feet that way. And that's all the space he had. Years later, when they opened the doors and tried to get him to get out of there, uh, they had to force him out of that cage because he didn't know anything else. But even after he got out, he would only go eight feet this way and eight feet that way. Why? Because the prison was no longer out here. Now it was in here. Don't hang on to that thing so long that it limits you in your life, that it limits what you can become that it limits your joy, your peace. But listen, as long as there's breath within you, you can give it to God. You can give it to God. Are you hearing me this morning? I'm so glad God chose to forgive me. But I didn't deserve it. Listen, they don't deserve your forgiveness. You're not forgiving because they deserve it. You're forgiving because you deserve to be free. You're forgiving because you deserve to finally be free. Even God said, I forgive for my own sake. Why? Because if God didn't forgive us, Satan could keep him in turmoil 24-7, 365 with all the stupid stuff we do every day. But God said, I choose to forgive for my own sake. And that's where you've got to be. I choose to forgive, not for your sake, but for mine. So grateful God forgave me. And listen, I don't have one of those testimonies where I was a gangster or an international drug dealer. But how many of you know I sinned? I needed forgiveness. Forgiveness that I did not deserve. But he gave it to me anyway. I want to encourage you this morning. Forgive. Not because they deserve it, but because you deserve to be free. They've taken enough. They've taken enough of your life. They've stolen enough of your joy, of your happiness, of your peace. So if somebody's come up in your heart while I've been talking this morning that you need to forgive, And I want us to take a minute and do that. Forgiveness is a choice. And you can choose regardless of the temperature of your heart. You don't have to feel anything 
You can make a cold decision of your will to forgive. And then the feelings will come later. Do you understand me? So if you've thought of somebody, or if you just needed an admonition this morning over who's going to be in charge of your life, your flesh or the spirit of God, that's good too. But if there's somebody that floated up while we were talking, let's all pray. Father, I choose to forgive. And you can say or you can just think of the person in your mind, especially if they're sitting next to you. Don't do that. But I choose to forgive them. Not because they deserve it, but because I see it in your word that I should. So, Father... I give that whole situation to you. And I ask you to work it out for me. Father, you saw, you know, and I trust you to make up to me for what they did. And I release them just because I'm tired of hugging the snake. I choose to forgive. And Father, I'm so grateful that you forgave me, that you washed my sin away, that you've taken it from me as far as the east is from the west. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.